Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. Today, we've got something really special for you. If you've ever wondered why one of your work colleagues does some of the silly things he does, or if you've ever wondered why you thought you've made a persuasive case and your client is not persuaded, or if you've ever wondered why the argument that you made to the court or to a jury just fell flat, I've got the answers for you today. I have a human behavior hacker. That's right. We are going to talk about what you can learn from paying attention to other people and what other people are learning when they pay attention to you. You're not going to want to miss this episode of the Inside BS Show. Folks, my guest today is Susan Ibitz. Susan, welcome to the show. Tell everyone what a human behavior hacker is. But better than that, show us what a human behavior hacker does. What have you been able to learn about me from watching my behavior for the last 30 days or so? Well, I subscribed to your channel way far before I, I was invited. And when I saw the email, like, Ooh, yeah, happy to be here. Um, I'm a human behavior hacker. My name is Susan Ivitz. Some people hack computers. I hack humans, and I have so much fun doing it and training others. So how this work? I'm a profiler. Like you see the FBI, you see the, all these shows where I'm a real uh, cheetah profiler because I'm wearing a cheetah cheetah jacket, but um, I'm a civilian hostage negotiator. Um, I have the honor to be the only civilian hostage negotiator in the world. I was a political consultant for 18 years until I get burned out. Nobody told me that you need to get time between things, so I get burned out. And after I take six months sabbatical, I'm like, I miss the adrenaline. What are I going to do now? And one of my friends says, work with lawyers. <laughs> You're going to have adrenaline all the time. So that's where I moved to trial consultant. And that's where I've been doing for 11 years. So we have two divisions of the company. We teach sales reps how to read others and how to profile because Zoom is not your enemy. If you know, like every tool on, the on your life, if you know how to utilize a car, if you know how to utilize a lawnmower, you can do better things. So Zoom is actually a really good tool to read others, read the background, how they move their hands, how you need to be moving. And in the other hand, I help lawyers. I always say, if I put a bolso on the White House, I can get you out of jail. <laughs> okay. So what specifically are you looking at when you when you meet someone for the first time in a professional setting or even in a personal setting? What are you looking at? Are you are you looking at the way they the way they dress, the way they put themselves together, their mannerisms, their motions, the words that they use, how they communicate? Is it everything or are you looking at something specific and then you move to the next thing? How does it work? Let me tell a little my background on, 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 on learning process. I'm coming from a failure. I when I was 13, 12 years old, I have all my life planned. By the age of 17, I'm gonna go to college, I'm gonna start psychology, sociology. By the age of 24, I'm gonna be in the FBI, and probably by my 50s, I'm gonna be the director of the FBI. Guess what? Life happened. And I found out that I was highly dyslexic. So dyslexic people 33 years ago wasn't taken as a superpower. Today, 
the MI6 in London, every time 10 people they hire, four or five need to be dyslexic because they found out that the best profilers in the world are dyslexic. But I come in from a background where that wasn't taken accounted. So like, ah, uh, duh, my plan is not working. So I decided to move to Europe and I studied with absolutely everything. I studied with Robert Shai, who is the guy who caught the Una Bomber. I studied with the Mossad, CIA, FBI, Paul Ekman, you name it, I studied with them. And when I need to profile someone or teach someone how to profile, what I'm saying is the first thing I look at you is your, fa is your face. I'm a face reading profiling. Face reading is something that has been a man of, of 5,000 years. I learned with a person who is a lawyer who uses it for jury selection. So I can determine things for, for you. For example, you're a thinker and a doer. Your feelings doesn't come and count when you need to do things. You think how to do it and you execute. And sometimes people can complain, uh, Dave, that maybe you are not taking other people in consideration. But for you, it's like, duh, you need to get done. I know you're a doer. So you're going to be analytical. You have a forehead that is telling me you're like an engineer. If you need to assemble an IKEA furniture, you're going to open the box. You're going to put all the pieces, you're going to read the manual, probably going to go to YouTube and make sure that furniture is stable. So if you ensemble something or I need to do something that is well done, I'm going to give it to you because you're going to make sure it's perfect. Dave, that resonate with you? Yeah, 100%. 100%. You got you spot on. If you if you ever saw me assemble anything, that's exactly what I do. I lay it all out. I read the instructions first because I learned years ago not reading the instructions makes it take twice as long. And now because of YouTube, I do always watch the YouTube video first. You're 100% right. Spot on. And you know, we so that folks who are listening, folks who are watching, Susan, Susan and I know each other from a networking organization that we're part of, but we don't know each other, know each other. She doesn't know how I, how I am in my personal life. So she just figured that out from looking at me. Okay. So Susan, tell me when you're working with lawyers, cause there's a lot of lawyers who watch the show, a lot of lawyers who listen to the show, you're working with lawyers. What information do you need in advance to help them with the case? For, for example, either for witness prep or in jury selection, what do you like to have in advance and what do you like to do cold? Well, uh, face rain is cold, like like you says. Uh, from all the behaviors, the only one you don't need any prep is face reading profiling. That is that amazing about jury selection because I can sit next to the lawyer and what it would take eight hours for the lawyers, we can do it in like 90 minutes and go through. I can teach you how to read everybody in 90 seconds. So what we do is, uh, when we have jury selection, I go sit next to the lawyer. We select the best jury, depending on what you want. You want a dismissed case. You want people who is more uh, empath or whatever you want. Second of all, what we do is we analyze the words. When you ask uh, behavioral questions to a juror, you know what you have. You have, you have the traditional, you have the conformist. You, it's depending on what you want. So we train the lawyers what question they need to do based on the jury they want because who won or lose uh, uh, um, a case is the juror. So you can read 
the judge, you can read the jurors, we can prep your client, your witness, and your expert. Preparing your expert is the most important thing. And I'm going to tell you a short story. We were on a case when a BMW was on recall because they have a problem. So it's an accident in the United States, and the lawyer bring an engineer who used to work with a BMW when that car was developed. And like, hey, do you want me to prepare the, the, the guest? Like, he's German, he knows what he's doing, he's an engineer. Guess what? I receive a call 5 p.m. on a Thursday, like, Susan, get your car, come here, we're going to lose the case. Why? This guy doesn't know how to translate his knowledge. I'm a dude, I love car, and still I don't understand. So we work for two hours with this expert, and instead to drive people away, he start talking in a more humanized way. And we work with doctors, for example. The doctor says, oh, the patient uh, exhibit these symptoms. Like, no, name the patient. Dave Lorenzo came to the ER. I came to the room. I talked to him, humanizing the part. And another thing that we do is we prep people for the positions. But if the lawyer calls us when the preposition is, uh, the, 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 the depot is already down, we can go to the depots and determine who is your weakest and a strong witness on the opposite case and when people is deceived. Actually, cases like the Una Bomber was resolved without knowing who he was. After 18 years of the FBI going through profiling and profiling, what happened is Robert Shai and Robert Fitzgerald went to the manifesto and says, it's not what you say, it's more important what you avoid to say. If I don't mention my family, if I says, for example, dating site, we're going to put something completely out of the scope so people understand. If I says, love to skate, love to go to concert, love to go out, I don't say I I take myself from the equation. So when it's missing pronouns, it's really important to pay attention. And I'm going to give a tip to your audience. The, 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 the study who says 93% of your communication is body language, never been proven. Any, any profiler you're going to study with is going to say, this is B inside BS. Why? Because when I'm on the phone, when I'm reading at the position, I don't care how you move. The words are more important, so pay attention. I have videos showing people putting their foot in their mouth when they say, oh, I want to thank my friends, my coach, my wife, and my girlfriend. Like, hello, he just says on national TV that he have a lover. <laughs> All right, so uh, I, I love what you said there about the words that people use, and I want to drill down on that, that whole missing pronoun thing. because So I worked for a boss who, for years, would, would write about himself and would never use the pronoun I. He would, so the sentence would start, am thinking this would be good for us to explore, would like you to see if you can contact him, what does that mean, Susan? When somebody, if somebody leaves off the pronoun I, what does that mean to you? I, we, us, it's important and a statement. So when people says, oh, well, you need uh, how many pages to determine if somebody is deceiving, like I need a text. I found out in a text if a guy says cheating, if not doing their work. I is, I am the person who is being here with you, Dave. So it's, I'm so happy to be here. If I says happy to be here, it's like, oh, you know what? I'm sick. I don't want to be here. So I, we, and us are really important in legal setting and in selling setting. I'm going to put it in the both. 
in, in legal. You do another deposition that says, uh, can you tell me what happened when you leave your house until the accident happened? Uh, draw my car, get my breakfast, and start giving you a sequence. And it says, and I drove to the green light and the other car hit me. And it says, wait a minute, it's a change on the language. So it's not only I, we, us, it's the change on the language. If you're in the selling setting and you ask the person like, oh, I can imagine how many uh, sales calls you have every day, when you're going to be able to make the decision, we're going to let you know. So instead to I, now we are we. Meaning that is not the person making the decisions and maybe how much it costs you to maybe having three or four or five calls to close a sales when the person is not the decision maker. So you need to pay attention to we gonna we're gonna make the decision, I gonna make the decision, I went to the store, or we went to the store and I grabbed the can of soup. And like, where was the other person? If you went together to the store and you grabbed the can of soup. Where were the other person? Maybe that's when the accident happened and you wasn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. I like it. I see. I understand. So sometimes when people use the plural pronoun, they're they're putting off the responsibility, right? So the example you gave, we're going to make the decision, but really that person's going to make the decision. He just either doesn't want you to know that he's making the decision or he wants himself, he wants to remove himself from this process because the decision is too hard. How can you tell? You need to ask more questions. You need to have more of a conversation what, what the intent is, right? Yeah, so you need to make uh, questions. And one thing, if I ask you to recite the alphabet, one of the things that we learn even in kindergarten is the alphabet. Now, what happens if I ask you to recite the alphabet backwards? doesn't matter that you have been spending 45 years uh, saying it. If I ask you backwards, is where you get lost. So you need to start making questions. So we're going to do an exercise. What about okay, that? Okay, great. Let's do it. Dave, uh, Dave, uh, ask me any questions uh, from where the color my socks. If I'm wearing PJs under, ask me whatever you want. Okay. Um, what, what is your favorite place to go on vacation? My favorite place to go on vacation is Paris. I miss it so much. The food is amazing. I used to have a place there, but I need to sell it when I got divorced. What about you, Dave? Oh, I love the Caribbean. I, I'm going to sit on the beach and drink a cocktail kind of guy. So I love to go to the Caribbean and just relax and chill out. Uh, good food, good company, you know, my family, my friends. That's what I really like. I like to go to the Caribbean and just relax. What is your favorite drink? Oh, well, it depends on... Mojitos? It depends on the, it depends on the <laughs> mood I'm in. Sometimes a margarita. Sometimes a margarita is great. Sometimes a glass of wine is terrific. And, you know, sometimes I like to try new things depending on where I am and who I'm with. So I found a lot of things about you. First, I ask you to do the, the, the initiating question. When you're talking with someone, when you're going to pick up this exercise, you need to wait for the other person to make uh, the question. So I give you control. You make the control question. I reply. And when I reply to you, A, I use the same words. What is your preferred place for vacation? It says, my preferred place of vacation is... So I answer to the question with the question embedded. Mm. So you are aware that I put that on the question. Second of all, 
I share something personal. I told you that I need to sell it when I get divorced. I told you it's Paris. I told you about the food and why I enjoy. And I says, what about you? Now I know you're an explorer. You like heat, but you're living in Miami. Mm -hmm. So we know that, mm -hmm. duh. So you like the heat. I know you're drinking. Your family and your friends are important. You're a social person. You're a doer. You're an explorer. So I collect all that information if I pay attention to the words. Mm. Now, how we utilize that, I need to do what is baseline, control questions. Like when people get in soon, like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, how's the weather? No, go deeper. Do better questions. Like, Hey, how are you doing? I'm so glad that we are in Zoom. What you have been doing today? Uh, what are your plans for the weekend? Get controlled questions to determine when the person use we and I. So do a baseline. Uh, sometimes people do this exercise to truth and a lie and says, oh, tell me who is lying. Like, no, I need to talk. I'm training a police department here in, in Indiana. And one of the police did a serial killer with a woman. He spent 400 hours talking to her to make her confess. So whoever can tell you that you can determine if somebody's lying or deceiving you in a click of the matter, they're lying to you. You need to do questions, revert the questions, and determine a baseline. If I don't know who is your baseline, I cannot determine when you're lying. So to resume... Ask question, open-ended question, how, why, what, when, how I need to call you back. And the person, that's when they swift. In some point, people, Freud used to say, people is going to lie with their body, but their words are going to give them away. All right, Susan. So uh, there are so many things I could ask you about, but here's the thing that I think everybody wants to know. The thing everybody wants to know yes, is... Sir. When it comes to negotiation, we all negotiate, right? Whether you're buying a car or maybe you're, you're purchasing a diamond ring to get engaged or you're closing a business deal or you just want to convince your kids to go see a movie that you want to go see, right? We all negotiate. So what are some of the best questions, like we just did that exercise, what are some of the best questions to use to open a negotiation? And before you tell us, let me just say that today's episode of the Inside BS Show is brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. My friends at Sandrowski Corporate Advisors can help you with a whole host of things from tax planning to consulting about your business structure, family office advisory, anything to do with numbers and disputes, particularly in the court system. Sandrowski Corporate Advisors is there for you. They can do business valuation, litigation support, forensic accounting and risk management. But perhaps the thing that I'm most excited about from Sandrowski Corporate Advisors is their work in the family office area. If you know affluent people or you work with affluent people and they're thinking of forming a family office or they've already formed a family office, Sandrowski Corporate Advisors wrote the book. They literally wrote the book on family office management and formation. If you need any help, with family office matters, or with litigation support or business valuations, I want you to call this number, 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. Sandrowski Corporate Advisors has been there for over 35 years helping all kinds of professionals and families of wealth make sense of what they're doing in their business. They can help you too. 866-717-1607. Our show is also brought to you by My Revenue Roadmap Guide. That's your business development plan if you're a professional 
and you're stumped. You don't know how you're going to grow. I want you to go to revenueroadmapguide.com, revenueroadmapguide.com. Go to that website, enter your contact info. You can download a guide for free, a business development plan for free that'll help you grow your business through relationships and relationships only. We don't talk about internet marketing. We don't talk about bus stop bench advertising. We don't talk about billboards. We talk about leveraging relationships to grow your professional practice. RevenueRoadmapGuide.com. Get your free business development plan right there. My guest today is Susan Ibitz. I asked her a question, but before she gives us the answer, her website is humanbehaviorlab.com, humanbehaviorlab.com. Go there. There's a whole host of interesting things, including videos of her doing her thing, testimonials, fantastic, amazing testimonials of people telling you how great she is. And she's demonstrated in just the first 15 minutes how you can learn some of the things that she teaches just from spending a few minutes with her. Humanbehaviorlab.com is her website. Okay, Susan, I asked you a question before I read some of that copy, and the question was about negotiation. What are some of the first things we need to do when we're entering into a negotiation? First of all, when somebody says, I cannot, uh, okay, I'm going to give you uh, 20 instead of 50. The first thing you need to ask is, how are we going to do that? Why? Because you put it on the other side. The other side actually is going to give you clues and how that is going to happen. Uh, another thing that you need to ask when you're negotiating in sales or any uh, aspect of your life is collect information. Be prepared. Who is the person? What is the position? How long has been there? How much they made? Uh, how has been treating? People is now all the companies have their employees posting on the media. If you don't do your back work, you're dead. If you jump in in a situation without doing your background, even if you don't do it, get somebody to do it, you need to know how people use their words. They're uh, visual, audit, or kinetic. For example, I see what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I feel what you're talking about. So now we have a visual, audit, and kinetic. So for you, I know even though you wear a headset, I know you have a small, high ears. Small ears are visual, they learn better with others, they need to see what is going on, and high ears, meaning that you process information super fast. So if I take too long to tell a story, you're going to get, get impatient. Why? Because you have a straight eyebrows. So knowing those things, straight eyebrows, one, two, three, give me the facts, give me the data. If you don't get to the point and tell me a long story, it's not going to work. Even though you do podcasts and tell people stories, you are really succinct to pay attention with your ears and hear and see with your ears too. Another thing, you're super prepared. You need to know everything. You probably know more. If you need to go to buy a car, you know more about the car before even you go to the, uh, the place. So you need to know your subject before you negotiate it. Another thing, and said so when people is uh, questioning about the things, they're like, how do you think is, that is going to work? When do you know that is going to happen? Uh, again, asking, putting the person first and talk to the other person how they want to be talking, not like how you're going to be talking. So we need to restrict ourselves from the conversation and go to the other person. So if the other person is eclectic all the time to give you answers, it's like, um, 
tell me when do you think is going to be the next the, the, the good time to do it like well or when you have the budget ready well we do budget in december okay or i do budget in december meaning that that person do the budget in december but the company may be doing it in january so when somebody says i do the my budgeting in december and says okay I'm going to send you an email the last week of November so we can recap in December. I know you're going to be really busy. It's going to be only 15 minutes. But what the company budget happened? Oh, in February. Okay, so I know I have two months to work with this person. People do not do the right question. People don't lie to you. We don't do the right question. So open-ended question. Be aware what the words people is using. Ask the right question on the right time and follow up on any negotiation. Now, when you're in the lawyer set, it's more depending on the client decision because the client is going to say, okay, I'm going to take the 500. I don't want to go to a lawsuit, but dude, you can make a million and a half. I prefer a bad negotiation, a good negotiation than a bad lawsuit. So in that case, as a lawyer, 50% of your decision or more depend on your client. So you need to have a really good communication with your client and make sure your client trusts you. So most doctors get sued, no for malpractice, but 78% of there are sued because they do not talk to their patient. If you transfer to lawyers, we don't have studies done, but I can tell you that most lawyers are sued or they don't get to the case closed because they don't communicate to the client They're like oh i'm taking care of that i know what i'm doing what do you I, think i think Dave? it's great and i think i, I want to go back to something that you did at the beginning of our time together which i think brings this whole conversation around to what you were just doing there you when you talked about when when we talked about paris remember we, we had a conversation about paris we were playing that exercise you demonstrated some vulnerability there. And you talked about how you had to sell your place in Paris when you got divorced. And that vulnerability allows the other person to, it makes the other person feel drawn in because where, you know, when somebody shares something, they let their guard down, all of a sudden I felt like, well, you know, Susan really trusts me. She really trusts me if she if she would share something that vulnerable. So it made me want to open up as well. How does that play into a negotiation? Because I work with so many people who I got to be tough and I got to be strong. And they, they negotiate like Vladimir Putin, right? They only understand strength and we must, we must portray strength when we go into the negotiation. But I feel like over the years, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I haven't studied this like you study it, but whenever I share a little bit of vulnerability, I always get a better deal because the person then opens up to me and they reveal information to me that allows me to really give them what they want while getting what I want. So how does vulnerability play into negotiation? Oh, I would say it's the best tool you can have. That's the reason I says, first, take control of the question, decide what question, Never lie. And if you're going to lie, make sure that 80% of your uh, story is true and 20% is lie. We're not going to remember, and but the, the other person is going to remember. You're going to be talking with 10 people a day. They you're not going to remember the story, but you're going to remember. So if you lie, make a, make a flashcard so you remember the next time. When I'm vulnerable and I'm not perfect, 
I'm an expert in my field. It's happened. We met supervisors. I have, co uh, I have people who says, I have people who ask to be in a troika with you, and I have people who ask, do not put me in a troika with Susan. I don't want to be profiled. And when I go to a troika, people says like, oh my god, I have so much fun. And this morning we have a, a a meeting together, and people give me testimonial, and it was fun and good to be with me because I show them I'm not perfect. When I show you my defect, we can relate to each other. And the Me Too, not the Me Too movement, but the Me Too is really important. For example, if I say, Dave, you know what? I live in Miami for, for nine years when I was married. When my marriage went south, I went <laughs> north. So and now I'm in Chicago. I love it. And I don't like the weather. But why you like the weather? And um, what is about uh, Florida that you like so much? So I show you that. I was married, I was got, got divorced, and you can relate. And I don't have kids, I like pets, and I like the, the four seasons. So always look to have something on the other person. I can look in your background now. And it says like, oh my God, you have so many diplomas, Susan, where you went to school, why you like skulls? And I can tell you the, the story about the skulls. Look for things that you can relate, they're true, that you can say me too because people is going to follow in you and when you're not perfect and you show that you are just human people like you more there are studies done in linkedin and another social media which says that when you show personal stories when you show your pictures and when you show your uh, failures or your milestone in life People are going to engage more with you. Nobody wants somebody who's cocky. Nobody wants somebody who's perfect because it's not a reflection. When you're not showing your real layers, people is not going to connect with you. So in a deposition, in a sales, in a networking, when you get to that, I have gone to networking when I found somebody who have the same belt or the same watch and like, oh my God, we share the same watch. Knock us down. Good to know. And you open great conversation only by paying attention to details. People used to look on the big forest, but they don't pay attention to the truth. So one of the things you said there really resonates with me because we're doing so much networking these days, like even one-on-one -on -one networking on Zoom or Skype or Teams or you know Google Hangouts or whatever. One of the first things I do is look at people's backgrounds. And I love to look at people's backgrounds because what's not there and what is there reveals a lot about them. I just was in a meeting before we started this interview and it was a, you know, it was a, a get to know you session and the person over their shoulder had a hand-drawn picture, very nicely done picture of a dog. And I said, that's, that's a beautiful drawing of a dog. Is that, is that your dog? And the person immediately said, oh, Thank you so much for noticing that. I mean, it was literally right here. I could not avoid it, right? He said, thank you so much for <laughs> noticing that. That was my dog. And he went in, went on, you know, talked about his dog who had passed away, like years ago, passed away. Talked about his dog who had passed away for like seven minutes. And this is a person who is very successful, negotiates big deals for a living. But we had a great conversation and an open dialogue. We talked about family, before we talked about business, all because I noticed what that person had displayed in their background, right? 
And so people who tell me, listen, Dave, we can't do what we would normally do in a network scenario, networking scenario because we're not in person. I disagree. I think you can because people are revealing parts of themselves. Actually, I can see your background. Before, when you have in a network and you put your best suit, you put your best jewelry, your best watch, and you show up. But now I can see your background. I can see how you live in, how messy, how decorative. Uh, I like books. I like uh, study. So those are the things that show yourself. You're completely right, Dave. Uh, you nail it on the head. Now, if you can let people trust you and like you because you're paying attention to the details, that is a more successful business possibility. People is not going to do business on the on the first sight. They're going to need to trust you to the business. I'm going to put one dollar on you. I need to make sure that dollar is worth it. Even though if I'm going to have five dollars on product in my site, I still that dollar is going to be painful if I don't trust you. So you nail it on the head. All right, Susan. So who who is the best person to reach out to you. All different types of people are listening to us and watching us right now. Who who needs Susan Ibitz the most? Is it is it an attorney? Is it somebody negotiating a million dollar deal? Who's going to get the most out of a relationship with you? I would ask who doesn't it's going to be easier. So what I did with you, Dave, is I read you on the spot. So I teach people how to read everybody in 90 seconds. So when I read you and I know how you need to get uh, information, how the words are used, how the body language, the micro expression and how to approach to you. I work with two sections, sales reps and sales teams who want to know how to use Zoom as an advantage, not a disadvantage. And I work with lawyers and preparing the lawyers, helping them to read the judges or whatever, it doesn't matter what kind of lawyer you are. I prepare your clients, I prepare your witness, and I prepare your experts. We can take you to a losing game, to a win game. Uh, I have friends call me like, I'm a mix between Dr. Bull and Dark Bather, and I love it, and I don't have any problem with that. So lawyers and sales rep and everybody who want to improve communication. I work with couples for a long time. It was too emotional for me. I'm not an empath. I'm not an emotional person, but I help couples to understand that the problem is not the relationship, it's the communication part. Okay, so if um, let's say I'm an executive, and this is this is where I this is who I want to introduce you to first. Let's say I'm an executive who has to deliver an influential speech to investors, right? I should have somebody write the speech or I should write the speech and then I should go to you, Susan, and have you review the speech after I tell you who's going to be in the audience. Does that work? Is that somebody who would, who would really benefit? This year, we the last year, we have two people who came to us through lawyers who were presented in Shark Tank. And in three or four weeks, we put them to like, I'm going to lose to the four of them win their Shark Tank. Why? It was the walk. It was what they say. Tailoring the right shark and how to talk to that 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 shark tank. So when we did political consulting for eighteen years, I says it's you need to be careful. Uh, some political consultant use we too much and it's not believable. So it's how you say it, the tone of your voice you use. I, like I says, I don't have a voice for radio, so I have a really good mic. I'm trying to slow down. So you need to look for all the channels when you're going to talk to people. And another thing that you need to understand, first impression has nothing to do with you. If my voice 
the clothing that I'm wearing, the, my background, you don't like it, you're not going to like me. And the worst part is when people make first impression, it takes 14 to 16 interaction to change wow. that. So if you have a client, yeah, it's crazy. If you don't like me on the first time or something happened time. and you set up that I'm yeah. not likable or you don't like my craft, Choose your clients before you choose your business. If you're a sales rep or your lawyer and you not connect with your client, transfer that person to somebody else. It's better to have a 30% commission in something that you're not working on than not having anything. Most people do not understand. I have another profilers on the company and when I have the discovery call with someone like, this is not going to work. I think from the profile on that person, you're going to be better suited. Guess what? I still that the kitchen in my bank, but somebody else is working on the case. So you need to understand, doesn't matter how hard you work, my accent, my dyslexia, so many things can collide with you and make and against. Learn how to transfer to somebody else in your team. That is one of the most difficult things to do, but the most important in negotiation. And Perfect, sales. Susan. Thank you so much. Where can people find out more? How can people reach you if they want to talk to you about all the things you do and how you can help them? In March, we launching two big programs, 10 features in 10 days. We're gonna, for 10 days, we're gonna learn features to how to read people in Zoom. We're gonna launch a four month uh, program. Uh, so you can go to humanbehaviorlab.com. And uh, on February, we're gonna be launching uh, those programs. They're gonna have a coaching, every week so they're going to be amazing people have been asking for us or you can google susan ivitz and you're going to find out all the interviews we have been on the front page of chicago tribune cnn name it we have been there so google my name and go there all righty so here's what i'm going to do for you who are listening or you who are watching I am going to share all of Susan's contact information down in the show notes. So, but it's humanbehaviorlab.com. That's very easy, right? But I'm going to share all of Susan's information down in the show notes. In addition, we're going to put point by point um, timestamps for what we talked about today. There was so much information. You're going to need a guide. So I'm going to create that guide for you. We're going to put it all in the show notes for you. I'm going to put Susan's contact information in there. I mean, it can it, there cannot be a more valuable way to spend your time if you work in the area of influence and persuasion or your job depends on you looking at other people and determining what steps to take so susan can help you do that susan i am honored and i appreciate you joining me today as a guest thank you so much you delivered an enormous amount of value thank you for inviting me <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. It's when I saw the email was like, oh, they want me. I make something oh, right. Oh, no, you're terrific. It was great. And we're going to have you back again to talk about how to do stuff in person once the stupid pandemic is over because people have forgotten how to behave in front of other people. So Susan Ibitz, it's always a pleasure to see you. Humanbehaviorlab.com. That's where you can find out more about her. Also, visit our friends at Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. Sandrowski Corporate Advisors for over 35 years has been helping people make decisions, especially decisions when it relates to business and their numbers. If you are a family office or you're forming a family office or you want to make changes to your family office, they literally wrote the book, reach out to Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. You can talk to them by dialing 866 
1607. I'm Dave Lorenzo. We take you inside business strategy every stinking day. I'll be back here tomorrow with another show. Thanks for joining me. Until then, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.